Acts chapter 13, 4 through 12. Remain seated. Acts 13, 4 through 12. This will be our text for today, and then we will get right into it. And this is what it says. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. And they had John, or John Mark, John, to assist them. When they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they came upon a certain magician, a, fa- a Jewish false prophet named Barjesus. He was with the proconsul, Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence, who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the magician, for that is the meaning of his name, opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, You son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, And you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. Immediately mist and darkness fell upon him. And he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had occurred. For he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. May God bless the reading of his word this morning. Last week, last week we had a very, very busy week. Um, I preached two funerals, and it was, it was a very tough, tough week and very taxing. And I, I, didn't, get into my, I didn't get into my studies until about Thursday on this, this area and this region. And um, when I got into them, it, it really blessed my heart to, to learn some of the things that was in them. And, it, and I started to be able to put some pieces together in history and what was taking place at that time. But last week we looked in Acts chapter 12, the last two verses in chapter 12, 24 and 25, and then we moved to chapter 13, 1 through 3. 1 through 3. Now I want you to keep in mind something. Keep in mind that Syria, Antioch, right here on the right, you can see it on the screen, Antioch, it's in the region of Syria. Syria, Antioch was where, uh, where he was at. This was the main hub for, those, for these men coming back and forth. And it was a big church. It was a thriving church. This Antioch city was one of the biggest in the Roman Empire. Third to Rome and Italy and also to Alexandria. Antioch and Syria was one of the biggest. It was, it was gigantic. It was a huge place. And so the Lord has a tendency to take people and he places them where he wants them so that, what? So that the gospel can, in this situation, so it can ultimately spread to as many people as possible. And so he sets apart Saul, or Paul, and Barnabas, and they also get Mark to go with them, John Mark to go with them, and they leave out. But we know that it's the Spirit of God that set them apart, and it is the Spirit of God, according to God's Word, that sent them. And I don't want you to forget that. It is the Spirit of God that set them apart, and it is the Spirit of God that sent them. Everybody follow me. 
Okay, look at verse 3. Verse 2. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart from me Barnabas. Look down at 4. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Solution. From there they sailed to Cyprus. So when we start this first missionary journey, they were not only set apart, but now they are sent out. And we've got to understand this. Because there are so many people that are not sent. There are so many people that are not set apart, that are going and trying to do different things that they have no business doing. There's men and women that are, that are standing and teaching and preaching in places that they have no business being. Today, here and now, the Lord still sets people apart. The Lord still calls people to preach. He still calls people to teach. He still calls people to go on missionary journeys. He still sends people out. And I love this about the Holy Spirit. I love it because here in the text, He sets them apart and then He sends them. You see that? Sets them apart and he sends them. And so it is the Lord's doing. It is the Lord who is building the house, not man. It is the Lord that is doing that. And rest assured, when the Lord does that, it will come to pass. And so we have to understand that their setting apart, their sending out was by the hands of God. Verse 4, they went down to Seleucia. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. Look to the map again. You see Antioch on the right. Below it you see Seleucia, right, everybody? This is a place for them to get on a ship, on a boat, on a vessel, and go towards the island of Cyprus. On the island of Cyprus you had two major cities, Paphos and Salamis. One on the east and one on the west. One on the east coast of the island and one on the west coast of the island. So they go down to Seleucia and from there they get on a ship or a vessel to go to Cyprus. Once they get there, the island of Cyprus, before I say anything else, let me, let me add in here. In this whole area... This place, Cyprus, is very key. The reason why it is key is because it is a crossroads for three different continents. Europe, Asia, and Africa. And so the Lord sending them, sending them to this island is pretty important. And you're going to see that all the way through these, through these movements that they take where the Lord is moving them around. And it's very, very important the way that they go. This is, very, this is a very strategic move by the enemy. Imagine a battlefield. Imagine World War II and you have the map up on the screen and you see this, this, uh, this country coming into this side and this country coming into here and they're surrounding the Germans. Well, I want you to think about this. I want you to think about this. The Lord has his army. He has his disciples. He has his workers. And he is sending them out and he is going and he is placing them in very strategic places for a reason. He's encircling around the enemy. In the enemy's camp. 
there are some of his children held hostage that he must go and get. You pick up what I'm laying down. Let me say this again. In the enemy's camp, there are children of God that they don't know it yet. There are people that are under the influence of the enemy, but they belong to the Lord. They are his lost sheep. And these men are sent out to go find them. They are going to the enemy's camp to go find those that belong to the Lord. Everybody follow. This island from one end to another was 140 miles wide by 60 miles north to south. That's from tip to tip. 140 miles in north and south, it was 60 miles wide. It was a beautiful island. Rained only about 60 days out of the year, and the rest of it was just nothing but sunshine. Beautiful island. As a matter of fact, it was said that, that this island of Cyprus doesn't... The only rainfall, only water that they have is the rainfall that's collected itself on the island. So it's a, it's a very, very beautiful place. But yet there's a lot of different things that are taking place on this island. The island will be anything but a vacation for these three men, two missionaries and this servant, John Mark, who is going with them. This happened to be the very place where Barnabas was from. If you recall in Acts chapter 4, 36 and 37, Barnabas was from here. His beginning was on this island. Remember, in the beginning of the church, he sold land and brought it to his disciples' feet. Remember that? Barnabas, the guy that we loved... He's always just, I mean, just always right there, Johnny on the spot. The, the greatest one. I mean, he, this, this Barnabas is, is a really, really good man. He brought the proceeds to the disciples. He was also a Levite. That's Acts 4, 26 and 27. He was also a Levite, which made him an expert in the law of God. And so we got to see who is going into the battle zone we got to see who's going into the battle zone. This man was a Levite. He, he was a, a generous and loving person. Being a Levite, he knew how to serve. Being a Levite, he knew the law. Being a Levite, he knew how to worship. Jewish minister, a part of the priesthood. He came from this place, Cyprus. So look at what we have coming onto this island. Three men. One that would later write the very second gospel of the New Testament. But besides that, he's a servant. In this, in the, um, he ministers to these two men. So what we have on this island, coming onto this island, first is Barnabas, who is a native of this place, so he knows his way around the place, right? He knows his way around. He knows what's going on. He knows what's going down. He knows where to go, where not to go. He knows where the synagogues are, and he knows where the pagan temples are. So Barnabas is there. He's already got this inside information on this island that they're going to. But we have to understand who's going there. These two men, the Apostle Paul who was a genius, might I add. He was brilliant. 
This was one that you didn't want to tangle with. When it came to the Word of God, the law of God, and the grace of God, you did not want to tangle with the Apostle Paul. And then you have this Barnabas, son of encouragement, who was also very, very brilliant. This island had a very religious population on it. Very religious population. Not Christian, but religious nonetheless. Religious. Whatever, however you want to call that. The place had Jewish synagogues. Jewish synagogues. And they were primarily in Salamis on the east coast of the island. But it also had very, very, very bad pagan temples which was on the west coast in Paphos. Okay? You have to understand where they go to first. They enter onto the island on the side where there are synagogues. Why? Obviously Barnabas would have known about them. He was a Levite. He would have served in the synagogues, right? This is, this is pretty simple. This is, this is pretty, uh, pretty common sense stuff here. On one side you had the Jews, but on the other side you had the pagans. And when I say pagan, I'm talking very, very pagan. It was straight up known for their perversion, sexual perversion of every kind. Paphos, right here on the west coast, was straight up the, the most sexually perverted place around. It was said that the goddess of love and beauty and fertility being birthed by the sea came out of the ocean right here at Paphos. Aphrodite's Venus. Aphrodite's being the Greek name, Venus being the Roman name. Same mythical goddess that they worshipped, that they built temples to. I was reading over this very topic, and it was said that they had over a thousand prostitutes serving in the temple to pay for and to bring money into the goddess Aphrodite's. So to say that it was wicked is an understatement, okay? This is a very, very bad place. This is the den of Satan. Do we understand that? Like, this is, he is going into... Sin City. Do we got any of those in America? What? Yeah? Maybe? Absolutely. Yeah, we do. We do. See where I'm going? Verse 5, listen to what it says. And they, brought, they, and they had John to assist them. John Mark, the author of the Gospel of Mark, was waiting on them. And I, I think it's just cool that how the Lord uses... Uh, how he uses servants. And you see this theme through God's word. You, you can't lead unless you serve. You know, and this, this man was a, was a servant to, to Barnabas, a servant to Paul. Let's move on. It says, verse 6, When they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos. So now we go from Salamis. We go that 140 some odd miles. To Paphos, 
And that's where they're at. We don't hear of any conversions in the first place they stopped. We don't hear of anything that was done other than that they preached in the synagogues. Right? They proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. This is what it says in verse 5. Verse 6. When they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, or Paphos, they came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. I don't even like saying that word, Bar-Jesus. Does any of you guys? I don't like even putting it in the same category as Jesus. Just don't. So on one side of the island you had, you had uh, the Jews that, that, you know, they were worshiping the old way in the synagogues. And on the other side of the island, you had these pagan temples. These two missionaries, plus John Mark, travel this distance and they arrive at Sin City. They arrive at Las Vegas. And there they are. Imagine the temples that would have been there. Please don't Google them now, but you can later. The temples and the effigies that had been, that had been built up. They go from synagogues and they cross the country, cross the island to the other side. And I can only imagine what Paul and Barnabas were thinking. Oh my goodness. What in the world is going on on this side? It's kind of like flying over the Dominican Republic in Haiti. You can see the line from the air. Because one side gave themselves to voodoo and worship, worshiping of the devil and the other side is not. And one side is very, very bare and very bleak. David has flown over it, haven't you, David? You can see it. Well, at least you could when I, when I flew over it. But here we have them coming into this place. Were all of these temples built for the goddess Venus or Aphrodite? Was that? Imagine how demonic and how perverted this place was. And then you have these two messengers of righteousness, plus a servant with them that's righteous. And they come into this place. Good thing three of them were there together. Amen? That's why, that's why the Lord didn't send them out one at a time. You understand what I'm telling you? So he sends three out, and they come into this place. And the first person that Paul and Barnabas encounter is this Bar-Jesus. Or as his name says, son of Jesus. You go back to, and that, that was a common name, Bar-Jonah, son, son of Jonah is what it means. You go back into the Gospels and you see uh, where those, where that, what's, that's what that means. I don't even like putting it in the same word, like I said, uh, because in all actuality, he was not a son of Jesus, but Saul actually calls him the son of the devil <laughs> later on. And so, but I want you to pay careful attention to what's happening. 
and the spiritual realm. Pay careful attention. The righteousness showed up and strolled right into town. Righteousness showed up and strolled right into town. And the enemy instantly engages these two men. And this, when I look at it spiritually, it's truly like an action movie. And I love war movies. I love action movies. And when I look at this through spiritual lens, when I look at this and see what's taking place on the island, and then I factor in these men that's coming from one side, and I factor in this man that's coming out to meet them, I see a battle that's fixing to take place. I mean, they're coming together, and it is about to take place. See, Satan's game plan was to keep the den of sin and Paphos after all. He wanted to keep it there. For hundreds of years, people were here worshiping him rather than the Lord. He had a stronghold there, just like the enemy in any war movie that you see. And that stronghold has to be defeated. And here in Paphos, there was a stronghold. A satanic, demonic stronghold over the area. He had control of it. But the Lord had different plans for this place. Not only different plans, but for one key person on the island. By the name of Sergius Paulus. Sergius Paulus was a man in charge. This man was very influential. He belonged to the Roman, Roman system. Governor over the land, over this island, for Rome. And Satan was all around him. All around him. But see... He belonged to the Lord. He just didn't know it yet. You say, Pastor, how is that possible? He belonged to the Lord. He just didn't know it yet. Well, don't we know that the Lord knows who will and who won't believe in Him? Don't we know that the Lord purposed that before the foundation of the world? Yeah. So to say that there was one of God's lost in this land and for God to know about it, he knew about it, folks. He sent them there for a reason. Now, Paul and Barnabas didn't know exactly why they were going there. This is why we preach to all people. But the Lord had a reason for sending them to Paphos. There was one of his there that needed rescuing. One of his that needed saving. And it's kind of like this. If you can change, if you can change a whole island, you don't start with the guys that's on the side of the street. You start with the ones that's in power at the top. The Lord knows this. And so what's he do? Well, one of his in Paphos is in the government. He's going to send Paul. And he's going to send Barnabas to go get him. To be one of his. He's going to go and send them into the lion's den 
for one of his chosen children. One of the whole reasons why I see them on this island is for this one particular person, Sergius Paulus. You think that the Lord would send two missionary men for one person? I absolutely do. I do. Now, I'm sure that there was others saved. History testifies to that. But here, Sergius Paulus, one of God's children, needed preaching to. He needed the gospel shared with him. One of his sheep that was lost. He was in a den of Satan, surrounded by the worst of the worst. But God, being rich in mercy, sends two men, plus a servant, to grasp him from the flames of hell. And Satan wasn't going to let this happen easily without a fight. Now I want you to pay attention to what's going on. There is a battle that's fixing to start. In verse 7, listen to what it says. He was with the proconsul, Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence, who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. Now, this, this wicked sorcerer was with the proconsul. And if you notice in the word of God, it says that he was a Jewish false prophet. Sound like to me that he went from one side of the island to the other. And begin to, begin to make money off of the lies that he was telling to this Sergius Paulus. And when the truth came in, what happened? This man didn't like it. Because this man was then found out. So this man goes and confronts Paul and Barnabas. Pay attention to what's happening in the text. When this man hears... When, when uh, what's his name, the, uh, the Sergius, when Sergius hears that Paul and Barnabas are on the island, he summons them. He summons them. They were preaching God's word, and he says, oh, look, we've got more people that are preachers, more people that, that know the Lord, that, that, that know God. Let's, let's bring them here. Two things that I want you to see. Two things before I move on past this. First, Satan knew he was already defeated at this point. Satan knew he was already defeated. When the Word of God showed up and this man came out all up in arms, when this sorcerer came out all up in arms, he knew he was already, Satan knew he was already defeated. Why? Why? Because these men showed up and they came bringing the Word of God. Satan knew he was defeated. So he sends this man out to go against him. To do whatever he can to stop the work. Second, I truly believe that the Lord God had started a work in Sergius Paulus. Truly believe it. And folks, let me say this. When it comes to spiritual battle, when it comes to spiritual battle, spiritual attacks, the night is always coldest right before the break of day. And the wave is always the highest 
before it crashes. So don't think for one moment that the battle for our loved ones won't be the hottest when the Lord starts to work before they are saved. Because there is a spiritual battle that is taking place. There's a spiritual battle taking place for our loved ones, for those that are lost, for those that the Lord is speaking to. There's a spiritual battle. Our responsibility is to understand that we win. Our responsibility is to go and confront him head on. Satan knew to go after the higher up to keep his domain, his place on the island. Satan knew that if he could get the higher up, that he can control the island. But God already set in motion his purpose of grace according to election before the foundation of the world. And you can't stop that. And I praise God for it. Sergius Paulus was to belong to Christ. And Satan could not stop this from happening. Plain and simple. Paul and Barnabas didn't know Sergius Paulus. They didn't know him from Adam or Eve. But God did. God knew it. And there was a battle raging for this man's soul. Satan could not stop this from happening. But don't think that he's going to give you an inch. Don't think for a second that he's going to give you an inch. The Lord sent Saul and Barnabas to Sergius Paulus to deliver him from the grip of Satan and to set him free by the preaching and the saving gospel of Jesus Christ. God knew what he was doing. And he sent those two men to preach to Sergius Paulus. Here's the battle. Listen to what it says. Here he comes. But Alamus, the magician, the sorcerer, for that is the meaning of his name, opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. Alamus was working. He was working hard and he was working both sides. And I want you to see what Satan does. This man was working both sides. He opposed the missionaries on one end. And at the same while, he didn't want his friend, his pro-counsel, Sergius Paulus, to hear the truth. Because he'd been feeding him a lie. He'd been twisting and distorting the straight word of God. And so this man is coming at the missionaries, but he's also coming at the one, and he don't want them to meet up. He's doing everything that he can to stop it from happening. But I want us to understand something. God now has him on the ropes. He has Satan on the ropes. He has him on his heels. He's got him moving around, and he's got him scared. Because greater is he that is in me and in us than who? than he that is in the world. And this is what Satan knows. He knows that God is more powerful than him. He knows that. And there is one battle that's taking place for this man right here. And it's fixing to get wild. 
This is what Satan does. He tries to keep lost people away from the saved. Does he not? He tells the lost to have it all. Stay here, do what you want. Just don't listen to the Christian. And then with the other hand, he's trying to impede the steps and the words and the work of God's ministers and God's people, especially those that are heralding the truth. He does everything that he can to to trip them and to get them to stumble and to get them to fall so that their reputation and that their word won't be listened to and that God's truth would be marred and blighted. He does everything that he can. He knows his time is limited and he knows his time is short. And yes, he is at a zenith, it seems like, in our nation and in our world. But understand this, he is going down. Do I have anybody in here this morning? Satan is going down. We win. His time is short. Here Saul is going to hit him with a left hook. He's going to hit him with a right hook. And then he's going to hit him with uppercut. Listen to what happens in the text. Verse 9 and 10. But Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him. Man, these eyes, I bet, could have cut through glass. My mother, and she's going to be listening to this, my mother could look at us kids in church and all she had to do was look at us. And it scared us to death. She had eyes that would cut right through you and tell you, I'm going to hurt you when you get home because you acted up in church. This is what my mother could do with her eyes. Paul looks at him intently. And here's the battle. Here it is. Looked intently at him and said, You son of the devil. Now understand, this man was an apostle. And he had the power to discern this. He says, you son of the devil. You son of the devil. You enemy of all righteousness. Full of all deceit and villainy. Will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? Saul goes old school on him here. And let me explain to you what I mean. Hits him with a right, hits him with a left, hits him with an uppercut. And the enemy's down. Elimus or Elimus was trist, twisting the word of God. He was twisting it. The paths of the Lord, the way of the Messiah, which was clear from the beginning. This man on this island in Paphos was twisting the word of God. Listen to what Paul says to him. Will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? In other words, why are you twisting the word of God? Why are you speaking lies? Is that not what Satan does? Is that not what he did in the beginning in the garden? Did God really tell you that? To Adam and Eve? 
Don't you know if you, you'll be like God, knowing good and evil? That's exactly what happened. So this man was twisting and deceiving, twisting the word of God and deceiving people. And Satan has been doing this from the very, very beginning. Feeding lies, twisting the words, deceiving folks. I'm almost done. Listen to me. I've only got two things left. We've got we to finish the fight. We've got to go through the battle. Verse 11. Listen to what it says. So he, he accuses him. He first says, you're a son of the devil, full of enemy of all righteousness, full of deceit and villainy. He says, you are twisting the word of God, the paths of the Lord. And now, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you. And you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. Immediately mist and darkness fell upon him and he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. The spiritually blind instrument, this Bar-Jesus, this Elemus, the spiritually blind instrument is now physically blind. He was trying to keep Sergius Paulus from walking in the righteous path. Now he's physically blind and can't even walk by himself. Y'all see that? Can't even walk by himself. Verse 12, and I'm done. Then the proconsul, Sergius Paulus, then the proconsul, the one in charge of the island, believed when he saw what had occurred. For he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Up until this moment, he had been fed a bunch of junk by this false prophet. Fed a bunch of junk. And when the truth is revealed to him, the blinders are taken off. And when the blinders are taken off, he sees the power of God and he believes. And he is saved. Satan is overpowered by the power of the living God. This battle on Paphos, or in Paphos, on the island of Cyprus, this battle right here would set the stage for Paul's missionary journeys with Barnabas. It would set the stage for his coming against the enemy and what the enemy was capable of, but most importantly what the enemy was not capable of, and that was not stopping the work of the Holy Spirit. And this morning, I am thankful that we serve a God that is living and not dead. I am thankful that he has more power than the enemy. I am so thankful that he is the God of the living and not the dead. I don't want us to understand. Sergius Paulus becomes a Christian. One of the lost sheep of Israel, of Mother Jerusalem of the church, was lost in Paphos, surrounded by sin, surrounded by so much impurity. But God came and rescued that one soul, that one soul.
It is a beautiful story. We see the same story with Rahab the harlot in the Old Testament. As a matter of fact, we see the same story with each and every one of us. Like sheep we had once went astray. But God, being rich in mercy, He found us, didn't He? And so I am thankful and I'm grateful today that we do serve this living God that, that loves us and that would send two men all the way across an island for one man, for me, for you. I'm thankful for that today. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for...